Hello and welcome to the Homebrew Magic Podcast. My name is Nelson and with me today is myself. So sometimes in the world of online podcasting, you've got some technical difficulties you run into uh, when you're talking about people's internet connections and the reliability and the speed and everything else. You guys are listening to this via an internet connection, so you know this is the, the age of the internet. You guys know what we're talking about. Uh, a little bit of technical difficulty with the episodes that we recorded, or I should say episode, that we recorded last week that I ran into in editing today, and it just unfortunately wasn't salvageable. So you're stuck with me now, trying to get this out yet tonight. It is Sunday, July, what is this? The 28th. That's how real time you know this is. We're scheduled to record tomorrow. We're probably just going to end up doing what Schnell and I talked about last week, and that is some Throne of Eldraine discussion, as well as some discussion on Brawl and whether or not Watsy is kind of forcing their hand and forcing it upon us, whether we want it or not. Tej was not able to record with us last week. He was in Seattle for a buddy's wedding and, and a bunch of stuff for for over a week, I think. So he should be with us tomorrow. So we'll have the full crew. We'll be able to get Tej's opinions on stuff, which is fun. Unfortunately, you know, Schnell and I are going to have to rehash everything we tried. So sorry about that, Schnell, in advance. And uh, yeah, so tonight I decided, since we've been talking a lot about Arena lately and kind of about Standard and how, you know, with Core Set 2020 coming in, how, how things are going to be a little bit different with the Standard metagame basically and what we can expect from that and i thought it would be a good time to kind of look into arena and i would talk to you guys about what i'm playing right now and and some of the things i'm seeing what what i'm having fun with and what maybe i'm not having so much fun with so uh, before i get into that what i've been up to lately in the world of magic is believe it or not playing arena right i finally picked up three pieces for my Markov EDH deck. I'm still looking for a boon reflection. Just nobody carries that thing. And then I believe the last piece I need is, I think it's a fetid Heath. I've got like every land that was reprinted in Masters 25, except for that one, of course. And none of the stores I've called have it in stock. Schnell didn't have it in stock. So yeah, it's looking like I'm going to have to take boon reflection and both and fetid Heath, you know, find it somewhere in you know, a card kingdom tcg player whatever so trying to get the pieces of that together so i can actually play test it for real in paper i don't know when i'll get to schnell's store next to actually sit down and play so there's a a, a place about 10 minutes away from me citadel games and computer geeks it's actually a, a hybrid store here in the milwaukee mequon area and the the guy who owns it's really cool really nice guy he's actually the one i picked up the last few pieces I picked up and he unfortunately didn't have either of those lands but that's where I'd like to go to play EDH so I'm gonna have to kind of get going here get those cards ordered because I don't want to be the guy that shows up and like hey can I use two proxies please especially I've never played there before so I don't know how competitive people are I don't really know what the environment is like there where you know maybe it's a a more casual relaxed atmosphere where people are going to say yeah no go ahead man sit down play whatever uh or if it's going to be like yeah no way man no no proxies we don't care for your your play testing or not when I was play testing my discard deck my my nickel bolas discard deck at schnell store everybody was cool i had like seven proxies in there because there was some stuff i didn't have i'm trying to think of a few lands like rick's Madi, dungeon palace morphic pool i did not have a vampiric tutor you know just some stuff that i nobody had in stock around at that time either but i felt a lot more comfortable you know kind of in the the lgs i spend my most time in of course schnell store and you know there i don't mind hey, you guys mind if I'm playtesting this deck? Do you mind if I play with proxies? You know, it's 
pretty laid back environment. There's no real CEDH players, you know, hanging around, making me feel bad for asking if I can play with my, my proxies. So that's nice, but you know, it's time to, time to move on. Got to get them ordered. Other than that, what have I been doing? Nothing. Just watching different streamers play arena. I watched a little bit of the mythic championship this weekend. Uh, modern's not really my thing. So it was far more casual watching, but it was it was fun to watch. I couldn't tell you who won though. I missed all the coverage here on the last day. Ben wasn't feeling too well this morning. Had some family stuff go on, um, some sick relatives, and you know other stuff happened today. It's just it's it's been a, a long weekend. And then like I said, the podcast I was trying to edit from last week got botched, and it's just one of those days where it feels like you know everything's piling up. And so I'm here talking to you guys now. I'm happy. I'm I'm ready to go about that you know, or ready to go with that, I should say. And just, just happy to finally sit down and talk magic, even though I'm, I'm talking to myself tonight and, uh, you know, you guys in the audience. So without further ado, let's get into that and what I'm, what I'm playing in standard. I do want to make one note, uh, one aside here. So the, uh, Ravnica guild battle started today. And I don't know if any of you guys listening have started to play it yet, but these precons blow. <laughs> I just, I got one win maybe the third game I played today, I, I picked up a win. I, I don't even remember what color I was playing with. Might've been, might've been gruel. I think I was playing with the gruel, the gruel clan. Anyway, doesn't matter. I've played with all of the decks. Now I had some fun with the green, white tokens deck, the Selesnya deck, but it just, it was way too slow. And I did not get, I only picked up one conclave tribunal and I was playing against the civic deck and they just had so many flyers. I, I couldn't do anything about it. And like a, Zagana that was like a 10 10 you know so it ate up all my little my little token chumpers but yeah it seems to be that the simic deck may be the best bet the boros deck looked pretty strong i played against that a few times i've i have not played against gruel or azorius i have not played against dimir trying to think i've i've seen a decent amount of orzhov but mostly simic and boros so so that's this weekend it's going to be a bitch uh, to get to those to those six wins, I think. You know, they, they shorten the amount of requirements in order to kind of get to the end of the, the prize track for this event. You know, they're, they're, they were, they're so- shorter than they were when they ran the War of the Spark event. But, oh my God, these pre-con decks are just like the power level is so low. And if you don't draw the right, you know, I played a lot with the Is It deck to start with because one of my goals for today, my daily grind goals was i believe 30 red or blue cards right play 30 red or blue cards or cast 30 red or blue spells whatever it is so i was like all right well i'm just gonna run the first few games is it until i i get through that and for the life of me i could not draw mountains and the you know the only time i got red land was of course guild gates so they have to come in to play tapped i couldn't even get a steam events so when you're playing your regular decks, whether they're, you know, just in free play or ranked or whatever you're playing, and it's stuff that you've either opened through packs or crafted through wild cards, those dual lands, whether they're the shock lands or the new temples or whatever, they help a lot. But boy, when you're playing with only basics and like guild gates and a dual land here and there, really, really run into some issues there. So I've noticed that kind of uh, about this this event. I, I'm still excited to play it. I'm going to try to, to finish it, but I've played probably 15 or 16 games in it today, and I I came out with one win. Maybe I'm just that terrible at magic, but I also think that part of the thing is the power levels of these decks. Obviously, they're they're even because they're all just pre-con whatever, but it's definitely 
I just luck of the draw. If you can get any removal of you know or evasion uh, early on, you're probably well on your way to to taking this thing down. So, just an interesting thought. I'm looking forward to seeing what next week is already because I'm just like frustrated with these these precon decks. But it is what it is. I got my first win out of the way, my thousand experience points, and I don't know. I think the Ravnica Plains card maybe the 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 sixth win is the full art forest i believe in this event so you know hoping to get there that'll be fun but uh, until that time you know we'll we'll see what happens i haven't really settled on a, a guild that i like the most i just think that simic and boros from what i've seen so far look the strongest so as you guys go into that event this week maybe you'll find something better but to me right now those two appear to be kind of the prime the prime decks available and i just I, I definitely played Dimir because I love black a lot and I'd like to play blue and I just got freaking smoked. That sucked too. So anyway, it's it's a fun event, but I'm already looking forward to the next week just because these decks are really grindy and I hope either they give us a little more to play with or they allow us to bring our own decks into the into the next week of this event. That being said though, uh, playing a lot of standard, a lot of, uh, I haven't played a ton of rank lately, mostly free play because I've just been building decks like left and right. And I've, I've just been testing them and I find it easier obviously to play, to play test in, in free to play rather than on the ladder, because I don't know, it just on the ladder, you run into everything right now. It's probably elementals, whether they're aggro or mid range, probably mono red, you know, probably still Boros Angels, probably, I don't know, some sort of black blue something. Grixis Control, I'm sure, is still out there. Esper Heroes still everywhere. So, you know, when you're when you're playing free play, you, you kind of run into more variety, I guess. And that's kind of what I'm looking to get, especially when I'm play testing. I want some variety, right? I don't want to play the same deck four times in a row, especially if it's something that's not a good matchup for me because, you know, like, okay, I know I got to build against this, but I want to test it again some other stuff before I start building specifically for playing against this kind of deck. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I know I've mentioned before the Yara Harmonicon deck that I built, so I, I'm going to go into it a little bit more in detail here i i really enjoy it i think it's a ton of fun and it focuses a lot off of the explore package so obviously i'm, I'm assuming at this point everybody knows who yarrick is and, and what he does but yarrick is a three five legendary creature he's an elemental uh death touch and lifelink right for two generic one black one green and one blue and his ability obviously if a permanent Entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger. That ability triggers an additional time. So the the thing I was going for here, uh, and I've kind of seen, what I did was I kind of took multiple builds of Yark that I've seen and kind of put them all together. And I was thinking, okay, so what am I looking for as far as value from things that are entering the battlefield, right? When, they, when their abilities trigger, what can I get the most value off of right now? And obviously the first thing I'm thinking of is Explore because that the Explore package is just absolutely insane between Wild Growth Walker, Jade Light Ranger, and Merfolk Branch Walker. I knew I wanted that, so obviously I, I run four Wild Growth Walker, four Miss, uh, Merfolk Branch Walker, and four Jade Light Ranger. And I also knew that I wanted some card draw if I could get it right, so I decided I'm going to run to Fibblethip. So if you don't know Fibblethip, he's uh, the 1-1 the one, one legendary homunculus, right, that everybody loves to poke fun of for one generic and one blue. And when Fibblethip enters the battlefield, draw a card. 
If it entered from your library or was cast from your library, draw two cards instead. So I'm not worried about that so much because playing cards directly out of my library isn't something that I'm worried about doing or something that I'm all that interested in, I suppose. What I'm looking for is just that initial, you know, oh, he enters the battlefield, we're going to draw a card off of him. So that's that's what I'm looking to do with Fibblethip, right? And then the, the second ability he has, uh, when he becomes a target of a spell, shuffle him into the owner's library. So obviously that's not going to trigger a second time. It's just what happens, right? You shuffle him in. So a little extra card draw for cheap, and he's a chump, uh, chump blocker out there, you know, uh, if you need one. Like I said, I'm 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 really going off the explore package here. So Wild Growth Walker, obviously, whatever creature you control explores, put a plus one plus one counter on Wild Growth Walker, and you gain three life. So if you have a Yarrick on the field and you can get your explore package going, you're you're in business, right? So if you have a Merfolk Branch Walker, when it enters the battlefield, it explores. So that explores one time. A Yarrick doubles that. So now you've got it exploring twice. And, and so now you get to put two plus one plus one counters and gain six life from one creature, right? If you've got a wild growth walker on the battlefield. Well, it gets even better when you cast Jade Light Ranger because when Jade Light Ranger enters the battlefield, it explores and then it explores again. Well, guess what? That ability is going to trigger another time. So it's going to explore and explore again. So that is four times now. So you're getting four plus one plus one counters and you're gaining 12 life from wild growth walker just for the one jade light ranger obviously this is a very mid-range kind of a deck and a very mid-range build because yarrick costs five land to cast and you know so you got to wait at least five turns unless you've got some ways to ramp into to getting him out there and this build doesn't have a ton of ramp in it so i do have three elvish rejuvenators so that's a one one elf druid for two generic and one green when it enters the battlefield look at the top five cards of your library you may put a land card from among them onto the battlefield tapped put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order so that's kind of what i'm doing in in that regard right as far as ramp is concerned i'm just like all right well if we get elvish rejuvenators boom we can poop lands out onto the battlefield uh once he once he gets on the battlefield the other card that i like and that is used for ramp purposes is growing rights of itlamok so i saw it used i don't remember who put this in their yarrick deck it might have been saffron olive it might have been someone else i don't remember so i can't really give credit where it's due off the top of my head to whomever i saw play with this in their yarrick deck but i liked it so growing rights of itlamok it's one of the legendary enchantments from the ixalan block this is from ixalan and when growing rights of itlamok enters the battlefield look at the top four cards of your library you may reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. At the beginning of your end step, if you control four or more creatures, transform Growing Rites of Itlamok. So when it transforms, it becomes Itlamok Cradle of the Sun, which is a legendary land. You can tap it to add one green mana, or you can tap it to add a green mana to your mana pool for each creature you control. So this is kind of another way that I can I can ramp, right, once I've got I'm starting to go wide a little bit, have creatures on the battlefield. It'll give me extra green land, which is great. I do run for removal Ravenous Chupacabra. I only have one in this build. I need to kind of redo some of the removal. I had mentioned this before in an earlier podcast where we were talking about, you know, hey, what are you up to? And I was talking about this deck specifically in Arena. I need to add more removal. I found that out the hard way. But anyway, one one Ravenous Chupacabra. So obviously it's a 2-2 two, two for 2 generic, 2 black. And when it enters the battlefield, destroy target creature and opponent controls. So I want to get probably two more in there, you know, so that I can actually try to play one when 
I've got a Yarrick on the battlefield just because it doubles the removal. So if you're removing two creatures for the price of, of one body for yourself, and it's only a four drop, if you can remove two creatures with that, it, it's it's a pretty pretty solid little bit of value there. I also have Path of Discovery in here, only one copy. I don't know if I want to add more or not, just because Path of Discovery is an enchantment for three generic and a green that whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it explores. So it's just another way to make every creature explore now. So if you get this out and a Yarrick, then you're exploring off of every creature and you're exploring twice, which is awesome, especially if you have some of those wild growth walkers on the board. But with only one copy in the deck, it's kind of hit or miss if, if you're going to pull it. So it's one of those cards where I don't know if I want to remove it all together and use that for like a chupacabra slot or if that's something where i just decide okay maybe i'll pull out one or two lands and then dump in the path you know one or two more path of discoveries i'm not i'm not too sure i do run two hostage takers in this deck so that's a two three for two generic uh blue and a black and when it enters the battlefield you exile another target creature or artifact until hostage taker leaves the battlefield you may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast that spell so basically this is just a yoink that's mine right as far as a creature or an artifact as long as once you exile it you can play it before your hostage taker is removed so it's always a little bit of a gamble if you don't have the mana to pay for the hostage taker and whatever you're stealing but more often than not it does seem to kind of work out in your favor so that that's nice because if you've got a yarrick uh, out you can yoink two creatures right and again just like the chupacabra it's for four mana you're stealing two things so that's that's always nice I do run one golgari fine broker in here this is a card where i don't know if i'm going to keep it or leave it and when i mean or when i say leave it i mean you know leave it behind cut it that could be actually something that I cut for another path of discovery or something. But anyway, it's a three, four elf shaman for two black and two green mana. When it enters the battlefield, return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. So again, this is another four mana card where if you've got a Yarrick out on the battlefield, you can now you can grab two permanents from the battlefield and, and put them back into your hand. So that's nice. I do run a prime speaker Vanifar in here. Two for Elf Ooze for two generic, a green, and a blue. And you can tap her to sacrifice another creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield and then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So Prime Speaker allows me to rifle through my creatures to get out some of the things that I need, right? I can kind of tutor in a sense with her as long as I'm it plays well with the the whole casting cost thing. So, and again, if she's on the battlefield uh, with Yark and I use that ability, then I get to do it twice, which is kind of cool. I run one Cavalier of Night in this build, two generic and three black for a four or five lifelink elemental knight. When Cavalier of Night enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature when you do destroy target creature and opponent controls. That's another way to, yes, you're going to sacrifice two of your creatures. If you, choose to use the ability and, and Yarrick's on the battlefield, but you're also wiping out two of theirs as long as they don't have hexproof because, again, it's targeting a creature. And then when Cavalier of Night dies, return target creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So if you've got a Yarrick out there and this thing dies, well, now you can find two creature cards with converted mana cost three or less and bring them back from the graveyard to the battlefield. And wouldn't you know it, Wild Growth Walker, Merfolk, Branch Walker, and Jade Light Ranger all have converted mana costs of three or less. So it really helps me kind of recycle that explore package, right? 
and again, I've only got one of these in here. He could stay, he could go. I'm not too sure. I actually don't think I've ever cast him in a game using this deck, but I also haven't played this deck in probably over a week, so it's not a very fair assessment, I suppose. I do run one Biogenic Ooze, and I've actually thought about adding more in here, but for now, it's it's only one. I haven't really done any revamping since the initial build, so maybe what I should do is, you know, in a month or something, come back and you know, hey, here's the, the state of these decks that I talked to you about, and here's how I changed them and made them better. But we'll get to that when we get there. So Biogenic Ooze, it is a 2-2 Ooze creature for 3 generic and 2 green mana. When it enters the battlefield, you create a 2-2 green Ooze creature token. So again, if Yark's on the battlefield, now you're creating 2 Oozes, which is great because the uh, second part of this ability is at the beginning of your end step, add a plus 1, plus 1 counter on each Ooze you control. Well, guess what? Now that that triggers, you get to add 2 plus 1, plus 1 counters to each Ooze you control. So you're, you're doubling the Oozes initially, and then you're doubling plus 1, plus 1 counters as well. So if you've got a Yark out and you cast this, your Biogenic Ooze and then your two ooze tokens are all getting plus two, plus two at the end of the turn that this thing is cast. So he's he's awesome, right? Especially if you can start doing the whole panharmonicon thing with his abilities. And then his last ability for one generic and three green mana, you can create a two, two green ooze creature token. So that just allows you to, you know, manufacture more oozes. And guess what? For four mana, now you can create two two twos. So basically you're paying one mana per each power and toughness if you've got a, a Yarrick out there. So it's it's great value. That's why I'm not sure if I want to add more or not. You know, he's not legendary, so you don't have to worry about, you know, only being able to play one at a time. So, uh, yeah, I, I like the card outside of this deck. I really like the card with the, the Yarrick ability triggering when his ability triggers. So I also run one God Eternal Ronus in here, and he's actually helped me a lot. I don't know if I'll go more than one or if I'll just keep the one in here. I would think probably just keep the one. He's legendary, and he's not a major part of what I'm trying to do, but he definitely helps anytime you can get him. He's a 5-5 zombie god for 3 generic, 2 green. He has death touch. And when he enters the battlefield, double the power and toughness of each other creature you control until end of turn. Those creatures gain vigilance until end of turn. So I do like him if I've got a wide board, especially with like the oozes or anything else that I've got that's got some some decent bodies on it, right? And then, uh, you know, like the other the other God Eternals, when God Eternal Ronus dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library third from the top. So you can kind of recycle him, you know, should he go anywhere. Uh, I've been talking about Yark here and, well, no, I did actually mention earlier, didn't I? It's, it's really hard when you're just one person talking here. Yeah, I, I already went through Yark. So I got four of those in here. And then I, I do run two Command the Dreadhordes in here. I forget that might have been Saffron Olive. I can't remember. Or maybe Noxious. Was it Nox? I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Somebody inspired me to put two Command the Dreadhordes in my build. And that is a sorcery for four generic and two black. Choose any number of target creature and or planeswalker cards in graveyards. Command the Dreadhorde deals damage to you equal to the total converted mana cost of those cards, then put them onto the battlefield under your control. So this is another way to get a ton of, you know, and the nice thing is if I've got a Yarrick, or even if I don't, if I've got a Wild Growth Walker and some Explore creatures, well, guess what? I can gain a bunch of the life back that I just lost when I cast Command the Dreadhorde and they all enter the battlefield. So I do like that in here, kind of some insurance against the damage I'm going to be dealing to myself. And then obviously it depends on what my opponent's playing on what, how much and what I want to kind of, uh, you know, steal from their graveyard as well. 
So really like Command the Dreadhorde in this deck, actually. It's, uh, it's a fun card to play around with in here. Another card that I can't decide if I want to keep or throw, probably throw this thing, is Azoni Thousand-Eyed. So she's a legendary elf shaman for two generic, two black, and two green. She has undergrowth, so when she enters the battlefield, you create a 1-1 one, one black and green insect token for each creature in your graveyard. So if you can fill that thing up, you know, then she can help you go really wide. Uh, and then for a, a black and a green, you can sacrifice another creature to gain one life and draw a card. So it works with Yarrick. There's only one in here. She's super expensive. I don't really know if I'm going to keep her in here or not. I, don't, I still have yet to see, you know, what the actual point of her is or the fun with her. I haven't, you know, again, some of these one-ofs, it's like you barely see it if ever when you play. And it's kind of like, well, I could probably use that slot for something better, right? Which brings me to my next card, Agent of Treachery. So I love this card. I think it's, I think it's fucking great, to be completely honest with you. I love this card in my elemental deck, and I will kind of go into that. Uh, we'll talk about my elemental deck next, but Agent of Treachery, it's a human rogue, 2, 3, 4, 5 generic, and 2 blue. When it enters the battlefield, you gain control of target permanent, right? So obviously, if, if Yarrick's on the battlefield already for 7 mana, you get a 2, 3 creature, plus you get to yoink two of your opponent's creatures, which is which is a ton of fun. And then at the beginning of your end step, if you control three or more permanents that you do not own, draw three cards. So if you've got, you know, another agent of treachery, mass manipulation, uh, you know, um, um, God, what's the other one? Mesmerizing something or I don't remember. Um, oh my God. I'm somebody, please just slap me in the comments and tell me what the stupid card I'm thinking is, uh, thinking of is. So anyway, if you've got other ways to grab people's creatures, you can, uh, you can do that and then really get some awesome value off the card draw once you've got three or more. And then again, if Yarrick's on the battlefield and that triggers, well, now you're drawing six cards, which if you're starting to get a six to one card advantage, I should say seven, well, it would be a six to none card advantage because you each draw one each turn. But you know, if you get six extra cards in a turn, that's really going to put your opponent at a disadvantage. So He's he's cool. Actually, maybe I should uh, yoink in a zoni and put in another agent of treachery. I like I like him a lot. And then there's just an end race forerunners in here. It's a seven seven vigilance trample haste boar for five generic and three Greenland. When it enters the battlefield, other creatures you control get plus two plus two and gain vigilance and trample until end of turn. So this is just something you know taking up a one of slot. He's the highest point on my mana curve, obviously at eight mana. And I just really like the fact that if you've got a Yarrick out, you are getting, uh, let's see, four, four, uh, plus four, plus four on all your creatures, and they gain Vigilance and Trample until end of turn. So if you've got a decent enough board by the time you're playing this, you can really do some, really, really do some damage. And it's even better that it gives them all Vigilance because then they can be blockers next turn, right? So definitely love that. As far as the mana base is concerned in this deck, uh, I didn't, like, uh, you know, there's some some Ixalan lands in here and stuff, so I didn't craft a lot of of the cards that would be used for for dual lands, right? So I didn't craft a lot of the old dual lands that are going to be retiring in the in the fall when standard kind of cycles, right? So there's one island, five swamp, and three forest, and then I've got two drowned catacomb. Again, this is an Ixalan land, and it's you know that's a adds blue or black comes into play tapped unless you control an island or a swamp, but I didn't want to waste wild cards on stuff that's going to be rotating out. So I only have two in there. I have one watery grave. You know, I could have 
made more of these. That's a shock land from Guilds of Ravnica. As it enters the battlefield, you can pay two life. If you don't, enters tapped, whatever. Taps for blue or black. Uh, three Overgrown Tomb. That's a that's a green and black shock land from Guilds. Three Woodland Cemetery. This is the dual land from Dominaria, where it enters the battlefield tapped, unless you control a swamp or a forest. For Breeding Pool, so this is from Ravnica Allegiance. It's the shock land for blue and green. And then two Hinterland Harbor, it's the blue-green land from Dominaria, and it enters the battlefield tapped unless you control uh, Forest or an Island. So that's the breakdown of Yarrick. I'm going to post all of these deck lists in the show notes so that you guys have them for reference. I really have fun with this build. It's a, it's, it's a blast. I like it a lot, and I think that Yarrick is a really great card. I think it's cool to have something like that in standard, and I think it's going to be awesome to see since since this guy, this set is going to be around in standard for quite a while now, you know, like the next year or so. It'll be really fun to see what comes down the road and other creatures where you can abuse, you know, abilities um, when you can get them to trigger a second time with with Yarrick. So the next deck I said I'd talk about is my, my elemental aggro deck. So I talked about this recently on on an episode of the show and you know we'll just take a deep dive into this one um kind of like we did with yarrick so to start with this is this is the elemental build with omnath kind of at the helm and what i'm trying to do in this one i would like to build a mid-range elemental deck like i also discussed earlier but this one is straight up aggro so what i'm trying to do with this is just swing as often early and often right and do everything i can to kind of get extra damage going through to the opponent so to do that, our curve is very interesting, right? We've got a lot of two drops and a decent amount of three drops, a four drop, and a five drop in... Oh, no, sorry. Omnath is a four drop, too. So our curve goes from one to four. We've only got uh, one creature that is a one drop, though, and that is Scorch Spitter. So I run four of those. He's a 1-1 one, one Elemental Lizard for one red mana. And whenever Scorch Spitter attacks, it deals one damage to the player or Planeswalker it's attacking. So this is just a way to get a for sure damage in, right? And uh, kind of get in and, and attack early, especially if you're playing something that's more mid-rangey. It helps you kind of whittle them down a little bit early before maybe they get a chance to get any of their bodies on the field, you know? And it's also a really good way to kind of draw early early hate right from shocks or you know maybe even lava coils if somebody's desperate to get rid of it so it's kind of a good suck up for some of those your suck up uh, a soak up i should say it soaks up a lot of those early removal cards that you kind of want to keep away from things like say oh i don't know risen reef which is what this whole deck runs off of in addition to omnath but we'll get there when we get there uh i do run two Chandra's Ember Cat in this deck. It's a 2-2 Elemental Cat for one generic and one red. You can tap it to add a red mana to your mana pool, but you can spend this mana only to cast an Elemental spell or a Chandra Planeswalker spell. Well, guess what? Everything in this deck is an Elemental as far as creatures are concerned, so you don't have to worry about that. It's almost like I did that by design. <laughs> anyway, uh, we run four Runaway Steamkins in this because there is a shitload of elementals that are red, and we run most of them in this aggro deck. So Runaway Steamkin, it's a 1-1 elemental for one generic and one red out of Guilds of Ravnica, and you've seen this card a bajillion fucking times because this thing is just a standard staple right now, especially in mono red decks, but also in the this elemental build, right? These teamer, This teamer elemental build. Whenever you cast a red spell, if Runaway Steamkin has fewer than three plus one plus one counters on it, put a plus one plus one counter on Runaway Steamkin. Then you can remove three plus one plus one counters from Runaway Steamkin to add three red mana to your mana pool. So I don't have to explain to you guys how awesome this card is. 
or why everybody who runs red and especially elementals or anything like that uh, runs this card. It is an insane value engine if you're running enough red in your deck. So, and he's an elemental, which is another reason I wanted him in here. I do run two Thunderkin Awakeners. I really like this card a lot, and I really think it's going to be fun to kind of see where it goes as Standard continues to evolve. So this is an Elemental Shaman for uh, one generic and one red. He's a 1-2 with haste. Whenever Thunderkin Awakener attacks, choose target elemental creature card in your graveyard with toughness less than Thunderkin Awakener's toughness. Return that card to the battlefield tapped and attacking. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So one thing that I love to do with this card is to go out and grab any Risen Reefs. You know, if a Risen Reef was killed, go grab him to kind of get me some more ramp or card draw. Or one thing I really like is to bring back Scampering Scorchers. So we'll get to... Well, you know what? Screw it. I'll tell you about the Scampering Scorcher now. I was kind of going down the mana curve. but So Scampering Scorcher is a elemental. It's a 1-1 elemental for three generic and one red mana. When it enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 red elemental creature tokens. Elementals you control gain haste until the end of turn. So the cool thing about this card in conjunction with the Thunderkin Awakener is that Thunderkin Awakener makes you sacrifice the creature you bring back at, at your end step, right? The funny thing is, or I shouldn't say funny, the good thing is this card, in addition to bringing, you know, putting itself on the battlefield, it creates two elementals. Well, those two elementals that it creates are not sacrificed. So you are now, you're getting three bodies attacking and then only one of them goes away at the end of combat so if they can't kill it when you know with a block or removal spell or whatever those guys stay on the battlefield so if you keep bringing back the scampering scorcher every time you're using the thunderkin awakener you're just getting two more elementals every turn and it's it's just insane value the really cool thing about thunderkin awakener is that you sacrifice the creature during your end step you don't have to exile it after you bring it out of your graveyard a lot of times when you do recursion effects like that when you're done with it you have to exile it especially if it's a spell right uh if you can recast it from a graveyard typically instead of putting it back in the graveyard you have to put it into exile and then you know you're kind of you're kind of done with it at that point right but not with Thunderkin Awakener. So that's one thing that I really like to abuse is that, oh my God, I can pull this, I can pull that and do all these things. And he's he's great with the Scampering Scorcher. So think about that if you want to play Team or Elementals. I really like it. Going back down the mana curve though, to back to the two drops, the last two drop I have is the Creeping Trailblazer. So he's a 2-2 Elemental for a red and a green. Other Elementals you control get plus one, plus zero. So there he's, he's a buff, which is great, right? And then for two generic, one red and one green, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn for each Elemental you control. So just a, a, a way to kind of pump him up there. All this guy is really in here for though is that plus one, plus zero, right? And then the Elemental trigger if I've got a Risen Reef out. So I haven't really, I actually, you know what, I don't even need to say haven't really because I just never have used his, um, you know, four mana ability. So, but I, I, I do like him a lot. I think he's great. I do run four Chandra Acolyte of Flame in this deck for one generic and two red. You get a Chandra with four loyalty counters and for zero, you put a loyalty counter on each red Planeswalker you control, which is cool. She's the only red Planeswalker in this deck though. So it's not like you're going wide with um adding loyalties to planeswalkers here what we've got her in this deck for is really her number two uh this is another zero uh loyalty ability 
Create two 1-1 red elemental creature tokens. They gain haste. Sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step. So really what those are out there for is to help going wide and also to help trigger things like Risen Reef. Or you can create her elementals before you're going to play an Omnath, which just increases the amount of elementals that you've got on the board, right? So that, that's that's really what we have her for. You can also minus two her to cast target instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard. And again, like I was explaining before, if that card would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. So this is one of those things you have to exile. That's just why I love Thunderkin Awakener so much, right? This deck, though, does not have any instant or sorcery spells. So again, we're only using her for that second uh, zero ability. We're creating those elementals. I run two overgrowth elementals, two generic, one green for a 3-2 elemental. When it enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on another target elemental you control. So that's great. We can buff our elementals. And then when another creature you control dies, you gain one life. If that creature was an elemental, put a plus one, plus one counter on overgrowth elemental. Well, we only run elementals here in our aggro elemental deck. And so he's always going to get a plus one, plus one counter whenever another creature dies. So that's great. And also the life gain is great too. I run three Living Twisters in this deck. So this is a card that I wasn't really sure of what I wanted to do with it other than put it into my Jund EDH deck when it came out in War of the Spark. But it's a it's a 2-5 elemental for two red and a green. For one generic and a red, you can discard a land card and it deals two damage to any target. And for one green mana, you can return a tap land you control to its owner's hand. So just some kind of fun things you can do playing around with lands. This guy's more of a blocker in this deck is what I want him for. And then, you know, obviously another elemental uh this deck obviously functions and runs you know needs to run a four of of uh, risen reef so that's a, a, a one one elemental for one generic one green and one blue whenever risen reef or another elemental enters the battlefield under your control look at the top card of your library if it's a land card you may put it onto the battlefield tapped if you don't put that card onto the battlefield put it into your hand so this is just Anytime you're putting a, a, an elemental into play, this thing is, is triggering, right? So Chandra makes two elementals. This thing triggers twice. The Scampering Scorcher, he's an elemental. Then he creates two more, so it triggers three times. And if you've got another Risen Reef, well, that doubles it, right? And if you've got a third, oh, my God, it triples it. And if you've got a fourth, well, get out of dodge, you know? It's just crazy. It's crazy. Don't even don't even go there. Uh, that was the lamest thing I've ever said. So we'll just, you know, maybe we'll fix that in post. Maybe I'll leave it in there and embarrass myself. But yeah, no, Risen Reef is a, is a great card. I love it a lot. It, it It is one of the essential pieces of this deck, obviously. It's going to be an essential piece of so, so many decks in Standard. Uh, it's just, it's insane. It's an uncommon, it's a it's a three drop. It's just, it, it's awesome. You want to talk about power creep and magic right now. Look, look at this card. Yeah, four Scampering Scorchers. We talked about this already, so I'm not going to go over it again. Real quick, I suppose. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 one, one red elemental creature tokens. Elementals you control gain haste until end of turn. So I went into why this is in the deck. You know, you, you can tell it's a it's a great card in this deck. I run three copies of Omnath, Locus of the Royal. So for one generic, one green, one blue, and one red, you get a 3-3 legendary elemental. When Omnath, Locus of the Royal, enters the battlefield, it deals damage to any target equal to the number of elementals you control. So you can do this to your opponent, to their planeswalker, to one of their annoying creatures that you want to kill. Uh, you can direct that damage anywhere. So absolutely love that. And then the other part uh, that's cool is his second ability here. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on target elemental you control. So that's cool. We get to pick where we want it. It doesn't have to go on Omnath, and it doesn't have to go on another creature. You can pick Omnath or someone else. So that that's up to you. You get that, that say, you know. And then the other cool part is if you control eight or more lands, draw a card. So that's cool. It's not too hard to get 
lands, you know, just dumped en masse onto the battlefield if you can get your Risen Reefs to live for a while. And this this deck, the mana base, it's very similar to the previous mana base that I mentioned. Uh, I do have four of the of the Gruel lands just because I had crafted them earlier and, and also got the majority of them. Or I should say the majority of my copies just through just through playing. And I've run a, a Gruel aggro deck too that I don't know if I've talked about it on the show or not. But anyway, so I, I've got, you know, four ofs of each of the Gruel lands. But again, this is just stuff where I was going to use what I had and not craft a bunch of crap just because it, it rotates in the fall. Uh, so that's one island, one mountain, two forest. Four steam vents, that's the red and blue shock land from guilds. Uh, let's see, two sulfur falls, so that's the enters the battlefield tapped unless you control an island or a mountain, and then you can tap it for red or blue mana. That's from Dominaria. Four ripbound crags, that's the Ixalan, enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a mountain or forest land, and then it adds a red or green. The stomping ground, that's from Ravnica Allegiance. That's the shock land that lets you um, create red or green mana. Uh, breeding pool we went over again there's two of them in this deck and then four unclaimed territory so this is an Ixalan land it's an uncommon I like it a lot as unclaimed territory enters the battlefield choose a creature type so in this deck obviously we're using it for elementals and you can tap it to add a colorless mana or what we're using it for in this deck tap one or tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type so since we're running only elementals uh, this works for everything but Chandra you know to create that that uh, mana of any color that, that you might need. So a little bit of mana fixing there. I really like that card. Uh, this deck is a ton of fun to play. Uh, it, it's a deck where uh, everybody's playing it, right? You're going to run into it left and right, on the ladder, in free play, anywhere. And that's just because it's a ton of fun. This is a deck that I don't even get sick of when I play, like Mono Red, where I'm just going, oh my god, again. I love this team or elemental build. I love to see other people's builds. This is just mine. There's a, 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 a just a, pleth- a plethora of, of these decks out there. So I highly suggest going and building your own because it's a ton of fun. This core set is a blast. There's a ton of great cards in it, especially elementals. And if if you like to have a ton of fun when you play and go wide and just do stupid, stupid stuff, this is definitely a deck that I would recommend. At some point, I want to figure out a way to do four color elementals with a Yarrick and Omnath and all this kind of stuff in it and figuring that out. I haven't done that yet. That's a project that I'd like to work on soon. But until then, this teamer aggro elemental deck is a complete blast and i hope that you guys get a chance to play it i know we're running up on time here a little bit we're about 45 minutes or so in depending on what it's going to look like after i make some cuts so i'm just going to do one more deck not chat everybody's ear off i need some stuff to talk about on uh other podcasts right or i should say other episodes of this podcast not other podcasts so the last deck i want to talk to you guys about is a hydra's deck so I we we talked about Hydra's a couple episodes ago, last episode, I don't even remember. And they're awesome. That's another creature that got a lot of support in in this new core set. So I was like, man, I've got a lot of cool green cards and a lot of cool blue cards, and I want to make a Hydra theme deck because it would be fun to do stupid broken stuff with Hydras, and I think I can find ways to make that work. So this deck looks to ramp early and often very, very, very quickly so that you can get all the cool shit for your elementals going right. Or so we can get a, an early Nyssa or even an early Cavalier of Thorns, you know, things like that, right? 
like I said, we want to ramp really, really hard in this deck. It's got a very interesting mana curve to it. Uh, the, at the very bottom of the mana curve, we've got four Llanowar Elves, of course. One one green for a 1-1 one, one that taps for a green, right? Llanowar Elves is a absolute staple in Magic. An absolute staple in Magic. You hear that coming from the English Major? Yeah, so you got to have them, right? Unfortunately, they rotate out. But Wizards gave us kind of a, a hybrid Llanowar Elf. Or I don't even want to call it Llanowar Elves Light because it's that different but it's it's a new green ramp card right uh a new green mana dork this is a leafkin druid so it's a zero three for one generic and one green so this guy actually has a butt on him and you can use him to block stuff uh chump stuff and he won't necessarily die he taps for one green but if you control four or more creatures he taps for two green mana so that's pretty cool and obviously we're looking to go wide in this deck as as quickly as possible especially with all our mana dorks that are available to us so it shouldn't be too hard for us to get up to four creatures to really start tapping them for uh, all copies of our leafkin druids at that point uh for for two green instead of one i run four paradise druids in this it's for more of the spark one generic one green it's a two one elf druid and it has hex proof as long as it's untapped and this bad boy taps for one mana of any color so i love this card it's it's Lion War Elves on steroids, right? Uh, it's great that it has hex proof unless it's tapped, and it allows you to manifix hard because you can add one mana of any color. This deck is two colors, so we're not looking to manifix that badly, but we definitely want to use it for mana. Then we've got uh, two Kiora Behemoth Beckoners in here. That's a two generic and a hybrid, so you can use a green or a blue for her. She comes out with seven loyalty counters on her and that's going to become uh, very important very shortly here we'll talk about that uh, whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control draw a card that is also very important in this hydra deck as you know magic players know hydras are very easy to pump up and typically it's they come into play with x plus one plus one counters on them and there's an x in the casting cost right so we are looking to make these things at least for uh power toughness four or greater so that we can really abuse that drawing cards from kiora and then for minus one you can untap target permanent i use that minus one a lot basically for mana dorks is what i found myself doing it for more than anything else because as the game goes on you can use it to get some some fatties and hydras out there and then once they're out there boom you just knock her down one and then you untap a mana dork and now boom you can play another one that now you can use next turn right because mana dorks have summoning sickness so you have to wait a turn before you can use them but with kiora allowing you to kind of manipulate your own cards after you've tapped them whether you've used them for mana or you've attacked with them you know that she gives you that option so i really like her in here and again, her seven loyalty is going to come into play uh, very importantly here shortly. I do run four Risen Reef in this deck as well. We just talked about this, but I, I can't sing its praises enough. It's the 1-1 the one, one elemental for one generic, one green, one blue. Whenever Risen Reef or another elemental enters the battlefield under your control, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you may put it onto the battlefield tapped. If you don't put it onto the battlefield, put it into your hand. So that card's on here for ramp and card draw, right? We we love Risen Reef. And like I said, I'm going to find ways to put it into any and every deck that I can. We do run one copy of Cavalier Thorns in this deck. It's the green Elemental Knight, uh, the Cavalier in, the, in, in green. For two generic and three green, it has reach, which is great. It's a 5-6. So it's a reach that can really deal with flyers well. And when Cavalier of Thorns enters the battlefield, reveal the top five cards of your library. Put a land card from among them onto the battlefield and the rest into your graveyard. When Cavalier of Thorns dies, you may exile it. If you do, put another target card from your graveyard on top of your library. So this just allows us to kind of uh, manipulate our library if we need to. There's only one copy in here. I actually might take it out and throw another copy of one of the Hydras in here. 
haven't decided yet. Actually, haven't even cast Cavalier of Thorns yet. I've had it in my hand, but I've ended up going so wide and had like Risen Reef or Hydroid Crasis, uh, which we'll get to later. Things like that, where I'm like, no, oh, I don't really want to mill myself because I think there's going to be some good stuff in here, and I don't, I don't have recursion other than that card dying. So why put stuff in the graveyard if I don't have to right now? So I might actually take that out. He just really helps me deal with some of the flyers that are pesky, right? I do have three copies of Nissa who shakes the world. So she comes into play. She's a, a planeswalker for three generic and two green she's got five loyalty counters whenever you tap a forest for mana add an additional green mana so that's huge in this deck her plus one obviously everybody knows all this but we're going over it anyway put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target non-creature land you control untap it it becomes a zero zero elemental creature with vigilance and haste that's still a land for minus eight, you get an emblem with lands you control have indestructible. Search your library for any number of forest cards, put them onto the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle your library. So Nis is in here, A, for her loyalty counters, which again, in conjunction with Kiora, are very important, as you'll see in this next card, and also to help us you know, put more elementals on the board. And really what we're looking for her is to allow our green to tap for two green instead of one green mana. So that's, that's what we use Nissa for. She is a very, very good utility card in this deck. We run three copies of Bioessence Hydra, so I told you to pay close attention to the Planeswalkers and the amount of loyalty that they have, right? Bioessence Hydra is the Hydra Mutant from War of the Spark. It's three generic, one green, and one blue. It's a 4-4 Trample. It enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each loyalty counter on Planeswalkers you control. So if you have a Kiora out there who hasn't been used with her, with her minus one ability yet, that's seven loyalty counters. So for five mana, you're dumping an 11-11 trample. I've done this before and people have just scooped on me, which is great. I, I Seriously, I fucking love this deck. You take this deck list and go do your own thing with it. Build it just as it is, whatever you want. This thing's a fucking blast. I love it so much. And, and if you've got a Kiora and a Nissa out there, this thing is coming into the battlefield with 12 plus one plus one counters on it. It's a 16-16 trample for five land. Yes, I know it dies to removal okay but if people don't have removal it's great or it's a really great way to draw the ire of, of that removal it, it, it soaks up the removal for you so that cards like this next one don't get picked off right away the next card is gargos vicious watcher i run three of these it's an eight seven four six land three generic three green it is Vigilance. Hydra spells cost four less to cast, four generic mana less to cast, which is huge as the game goes on. And if you're going to ramp into something like, oh, I don't know, a Hydroid Crisis, where it's a blue and a green and X in the casting cost, now basically the casting cost is blue, green, negative four. So you're getting four extra counters on it. And that's two life that you gain and two cards that you draw. So that's huge. That's why we want to kind of draw removal with some of our other creatures so that Gargos can really help us out when he's on the battlefield. And let's see what else. Whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell, Gargos Vicious Watcher fights up to one target creature you don't control. We don't have any spells that target creatures, but whenever your opponent plays a card or a spell, I should say, that targets one of your creatures, then Gargos gets to fight one of their creatures, which is which is awesome. So that, that helps to... You know, Schnell was touching on him a little bit in a previous episode. I think he drafted him or something like that. And um, I, I like this card in this deck a lot. Uh, we run four Voracious Hydras. So that's another new Hydra from, from M20. The casting cost for this is two green and X. So it's a zero one trample. It enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. And this is this is the cool part. I really like this. 
When Voracious Hydra enters the battlefield, choose one. Double the number of counters on it, which is great, right? We can really get it up there. Or it fights target creature you don't control. So if there's some pesky creature that you want to get rid of and you can cast this thing at a high enough level of power and toughness that either you don't lose it or that it can kill what you're trying to get off the battlefield there, you know, you've got the option. Do we want to double counters? Do we want to do, do we want to fight? You know, whatever. So I like that card a lot. That's a four of in this deck. It's a ton of fun. It helps a lot if you've got a Gargos on the battlefield because, again, it reduces that X cost by four. So you get, in essence, four free counters on it, which is freaking awesome. I, I, I love this card. It's great. goes hand-in-hand hand with the the uh, with Crazy Boy, right? Hydra Crasis. It's a 0-0 Jellyfish Hydra Beast from Ravnica Allegiance. This casting cost, like I mentioned earlier, one green, one blue, and X. When you cast the spell, you gain half X life and draw half X cards, round down each time. That's the fucking cool thing about Hydroid Crassus, right? A lot of these things, in order to reap the benefits of them, so to say, they've got to hit the battlefield, right? It's when this creature enters the battlefield, A, B, and C happen, right? Well, Hydroid Crasis is better because when you cast this spell, so even if it gets countered, yeah, you lose the body and you tap the shitload of land. However, you're now gaining half of that land that you tapped in life, and the other half you're drawing those cards. So Hydroid Crasis, I, I don't have to talk about how great it is because everybody knows it's it's been a $20 card since it came out for a reason. I, I, I love that card. I've got two copies in paper. I've got four copies in arena and i i love this thing i will play it all the time uh, it's also flying and also trample which is awesome and then again obviously enters the battlefield with x plus one plus one counters on it so if you've got a gargos out there it's really easy to get this thing stupid fat and gain extra life and extra cards which is cool the mana base on this is a little bit more straightforward than other mana bases uh i've i've got to get some more wild cards or just crack some temple of mysteries i only have one in here that's the the reprint right the temple one of the temple cycles was reprinted here in M20. Temple of Mystery enters the battlefield tapped, and when it enters the battlefield, you scry one, which is great. Scry lands are fun. And then you can uh, tap it to add a, a green or blue uh, mana to your mana pool. I do run two copies of Hinterland Harbor in this deck. Talked about this before. It's the Dominaria tapped unless you control forest or an island. Adds green or blue. And then four breeding pools. Again, it's the Allegiance Shockland that taps for green and blue. Then we run 11 forest and six island. So I did want to run a decent number of forests in here just because if at some point we can ultimate one of our three Nissas, uh, then we can pull all those forests and they've they're all indestructible which is great and then now we've just flooded the you know we flooded with a ton of lands all at once here that we can use uh as creatures and that are indestructible and that we can just kind of use and abuse right so this hydra deck is a ton of fun i've seen a ton of people scoop to it you know i haven't seen a lot i, I honestly i haven't seen anybody play like a straight up hydra deck that i've run into so i'm i'm the only one i i know there are a lot of hydra lists out there um, you know, cause I've seen them shared from, you know, uh, let's see like TCG player and other places that run articles. Right. So I just have yet to run into someone who's playing straight up hydras. I've seen hydras in other decks, but I haven't seen hydra specific decks, you know, like this one is, it is so much fun. I might even go so far as to say, I think it's more, even more fun than my teamer elemental aggro deck. I have to play more with it. I only just built this thing like three days ago, but it is an absolute machine and it is a ton of fun. And if you like to do stupid, stompy, simic things and you like Hydras, this is definitely, you know, a, a, a deck for you. I, I highly recommend getting your getting your hands on a copy, making a copy, doing what you can. I did, <laughs> I, I, I sent Chanel and TJ a message earlier uh, when I was telling them about this deck and how much fun I was having with it. 
I, you know, like I told them, I did have to burn all my wild cards because let's face it, I don't have everything from M20 yet. So <laughs> had to eat up all my wild cards to get it out there. But so far, I've had so much fun with it that it was well worth the investment in wild cards and the time I put into, frankly, earn those wild cards. So I, I highly recommend it. That's that's going to be where I wrap it up. Those are those are the three decks that I'm playing the most right now. They are a ton of fun. Like I said, check the show notes. I'm going to put the deck lists in the show notes. Uh, try them out. Do your own builds. Let us know in our in our uh, Facebook group. You know, we've got the the actual page for the podcast. Now we've got the group created. We've got some really good uh, chatter going on in the group. Please, please, please join the group if you can. Let us know what you think about the episodes. You know, vote in our polls and just start your own conversations and comment on other people's questions and and things like that. So you know, it's a it's a it's a community that we're starting to build. We really want it to kind of take off. We can't do it without your input. You guys are what make us better and what make us want to keep doing this. So please, you know, take the time, check us out there, drop us a line, say what's up. Let us know what you're playing. Let us know how, you know, let us know that what we're playing fucking sucks and your idea is way better. You know, I mean, that's the beauty of magic, right? Everybody does things their own way. There's a million and one ways to to make a deck and just let us know. That being said, thank you guys so much, as always, for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe and tell a friend. They can find us on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podbean, basically anywhere that you consume your podcasts. Make sure that you check us out on our social channels at Homebrew Magic on Facebook and on Instagram. And like I said, don't miss the new Facebook group. We've got some great discussions and polls going in there. Please, please, please take some time and give us your input because we want to know what you guys want to hear. And we can give you that content better if you guys actually let us know what that is. So thank you again for listening. We're going to be back in the studio again tomorrow night. We're going to get that Throne of Eldraine and that Brawl discussion down, and it's not going to suck this time. And we're going to get that out to you guys, too, in about a week. And, you know, until then, thank you for listening, and don't drink and scry.